Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Westoff, I need those tornado sirens. Give me that fire truck going down the road. Give me the lion's roars. All of the signals that mean we have an emergency edition of the show because that's what we have on our hands today as we have our look at the first computer edition of this rankings of this 2021 ITA tennis season. Joining me to break down the first edition of the rankings and not just talk about the team but also talk about the biggest surprises from the singles and the doubles individual rankings are the two other members of our crack rackets college tennis holy trinity we're going to start where we always start you know him as a former four-star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net your favorite writer for our website crackrackets.com and of course the other half of baylor's nick stokoyak it's matt the crack stokoyak maddie hey great shot I think my favorite text exchange of the day, and I had many regarding these rankings, but when I texted you this morning and I hadn't seen the ITA edition of the rankings had come out and you texted and you're like, hey, have you seen the rankings? And I'm like, you mean the USTA poll? As if like that was some consequential thing. And I was like, oh, I guess Maddie's fired up this morning. And then you go, no, 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 no. The computer rankings came out. And I mean, ever since that moment, it's been a day, Maddie. How are you feeling? I knew as soon as you asked that question, I was like, oh, Gruskin hasn't seen the ITA rankings yet. And I knew I knew right away. I was like, oh, he needs to take a look at those. Yeah, it was uh, interesting day to say the least, but uh, we have some rankings to, to break down here. So it should be fun. Yeah, finally, we have, it feels like, our first healthy sample size. And of course, we went in depth on the past week of college tennis on yesterday's Great Shot podcast. It's a testament to you, Maddie, that we're able to do this emergency podcast. It's also, of course, a testament to the third member of our college tennis, Holy Trinity. You may know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of almond joys, lover of mothers, the snitch, the professor. He quotes Henry Ford. He's got two shoulders. The mullet is back in action, and so are the computer rankings, and no one is going to be more excited about that than Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot. We knew there were going to be some shocks coming. I'm just going to get right into it. Let's start with our team rankings. It is an emergency edition of the podcast. No chaser necessary. Shout out to our friends at Turner Grip. I'll get there later on. But Chris, you prepared us for this yesterday. You said the Big Ten, the Pac-12, they're going to feel it the most on these computer edition of the rankings. And I apologize for not introducing you formally. Hello, obviously. I know it's a good day for you. Oh, we'll get there, I promise. But I, this is how excited we are. Emergency edition of the show. Here are the quick takeaways. Then we're bringing in Chris. And Chris, you can have three minutes, five minutes, 50 minutes, however long you want, go, because I know this is your bread and butter. The big takeaways from the team rankings, and that's where we're going to start. You know what? Before we do it, hello, Chris. How are you? I feel bad. I'm like, how did I not say hello? I'm I'm doing great. I mean, you can imagine what I've been doing all day. So, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm basking in an ocean of numbers. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it truly is delightful. And again... The reason we are reconvened emergency edition of the show, we knew there was going to be some drama. Let's get into the team rankings. And the first edition of the computer rankings are never the cleanest. There's always going to be a few weeks needed for adjustment. But 
We knew the SEC was going to benefit. We joked on yesterday's podcast, in reality, if they ranked the top 75 teams in the country, the SEC would have all 13 ranked. They ranked the top 50 teams of the country by the computer rankings. All 13 SEC teams ranked. The SEC with five of the top 10 teams. It starts with number two, Florida. Am I missing someone? No, Vanderbilt. No, Vanderbilt. I'm sorry, Vanderbilt. I shouldn't have forgotten you. They're missing one. But still, the point stands. Uh, Florida number two. Tennessee, number three, Texas A&M, number eight. You had Mississippi, my jogging, not running Rebels at number nine. The Gamecocks of South Carolina, they can lose that match to, uh, to North Carolina. It doesn't matter. They're still at number 10. Mississippi State, who we talk about, obviously, given the affinity Chris Hallioris has for the program, we, we say, yeah, you know, they're going to be sneaky this year. They're number 11 right now. Georgia, they're probably thrilled to see themselves at 13. Kentucky at 20. Uh, of course, you also have Arkansas, 31. Bama, 32. LSU, 39. Auburn, 47. I'm not going to list every ranking, I promise. Only one more fun fact before we get to you, Chris. We talked about this is going to be tough for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Pac-12? Three ranked teams, all of them between 15 and 20. USC at number 15. Arizona State, number 17. Arizona, number 19. You look at the Big Ten, Illinois 14, Ohio State 16, Michigan feels like a huge victory that they're even at number 25, Northwestern also 41. Why I give you those two numbers, Pac-12 3, Big Ten 4. You look at the American Conference, Tulane at 23, UCF 26, Memphis 28, USF 29, Tulsa 30, Wichita State 34, SMU 48. That's seven teams. You add up the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you get the American Conference. All of those facts out there for our listeners, Chris. Take the reins and take us away. I don't know what you want me to say. I'm not surprised at all. We (laughs) knew this is what was going to happen. I mean – and honestly, you know the ranking system coming into the year. You know at some point we're going to go to the computer ranks. Uh, I mean, schedule matches. That's all I can say. You know, if you don't schedule the matches and you don't play the teams, you know, the teams in the American Conference went outside and scheduled matches. The teams, you know, everywhere else, you know, everywhere outside the Big Ten. And obviously the Pac-12 got hit a little bit. I mean, some of their teams – scheduled matches the unfortunate thing here with arizona i can tell by looking at that ranking this week that the monday night loss was not included to oklahoma so that'll knock them a little next week when they when they come in but uh but yeah i mean the pac 12 is going to make it on schools like arizona arizona state i believe oregon just missed you've got utah in there you i mean there's some schools in there ucla's in the 50s uh, you know, Stanford obviously is nowhere because they haven't even won but one match, I think, maybe St. Mary's or something before they played the last two. So they're, you know, they'll get there. But but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised. It's it's heavily, heavily, heavily weighted to the ACC and the SEC as we expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, again, the first edition of the rankings are always going to be the most raw because there's no prior set of data for all of us to consume. And from there, things begin to even out, you'd believe. But, I mean, Maddie, <laughs> I, it's just like 
I love Mississippi. I, I think they're really, really good this year. Number nine. Like, to some degree, if these rankings are what we use for NCAA seeding determination, for NCAA regional assignment, particularly this year, if regional sites are based on where you're at in the ranking, like it, 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 it's a slight problem. I guess, I don't know. Do, is this skewable? Can we come back from this first edition? This is a lot. It is extreme. Well, like, it, we, we can warn ourselves, but you see it on paper and you're like, whoa. <laughs> right. I mean, it it looks a little shocking. What you know, when I first looked at this, I was like, oh my God. I mean, what's going on here? But again, like Chris said, it's the first edition, right? This is gonna even out a little bit over the course of the next couple of months or so. I think I think we'll be okay by the time we get to the tournament. I'm actually for this for this edition, the team rankings I'm okay with. Right. Like I see what's going on here and we just did our top 10 last night on the pod. And we actually have eight out of the top 10 teams that we picked. The only ones that we don't are Ole Miss at number nine and South Carolina at 10. The top eight schools here, we also included in our rankings. So, I mean, it's not like they're totally off base. Um, you know, these schools just have to play more, right? Michigan has a big match with Illinois coming up this weekend. The Pac-12 has to keep playing more. I, I'm hopeful that over the next several weeks, we have more additions of the rankings come. It's going to even out a little bit, but I think, and we'll get into this in just a little bit, I think I was more shocked at the individual rankings, to be honest. The team I fairly expected this. Like, I'm, I'm okay with this for it being the first edition. I don't have any major issues because I know things are going to change around. The individuals are completely off. Um, so that's that's a whole nother story. But overall, Groskin, I'm – look, it's a little bit sticker shock, right? When you first look at it, it's like, whoa, this is completely off. And, yeah, they're not accurate. We know that. We all know that this is not completely accurate. It's okay. I, I think – I hope we'll get there. Yeah, a sticker shock is a great way of putting it. Chris, if we can unpack this one more time, and I know you talked about it a little bit yesterday, but given there was no prior set of – I guess for people who are like, well, I don't get it. Why is Mississippi State number nine? Why is an SEC team inherently more valuable to the computer than a Big Ten team? Why is a Big Ten team being punished for playing only a Big Ten schedule when in last week's rankings, which were the coaches' edition, you had Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan all hovering around that top ten. Like, what what caused the disparity between the manual input of the coaches' poll and whatever happened in the computer this week? Yeah, I mean, it's, by and large, you know, it's not because of the intra-conference play, right? All about the out-of-conference play. So, so you take a school like Mississippi State, right? And is yes, they did. They have got a win over South Carolina on their record, right? But those points are coming because they've got two wins over Tulane. They've got a win over Memphis. They've got a win over Middle Tennessee State. That's not even counting. Who's also top fifty? Uh, they counted five wins this week. That's not even in there. Um, and as we mentioned, those American teams are in there because of the schedules that they played and the teams that they've beat. So it's, it, you know, it's kind of like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? It, you know, you've got to get somewhere <laughs> yeah. to where somebody you beat has beaten someone else and it eventually bubbles back to you. The big 10 just doesn't have it because they haven't, they didn't get to play anybody else. Right. So they had Illinois that got to play kick indoors 
and get a little bit of that to bring in the conference, but nobody else has been able to play any teams to bring points from outside in. And now you end up beating up on yourself. I'll point out that in addition, we talk about, Hey, you know, it'll get better. It will get better, but teams will come along. I'll tell you a team I'm concerned for if they don't go schedule more matches. Now, if you look at Stanford's schedule, they already lost the two openers, right? To UCLA and USC. They only have four matches on their schedule against top 50 teams the rest of the season until the conference tournament. So, you know, if you don't win all four of those and then make a decent run in the conference tournament there, yeah, it's very likely that you get some crazy, maybe the NCAA does what we're not doing here in terms of a manual adjustment and the selection committee takes more of a selection into account than they have in the past and not just go straight down the rankings sheet. But yeah, it could get pretty crazy. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, talking to all of the coaches, I keep coming back to the phrase Maddie used, sticker shock. Everyone knew it was going to be bad for the Big Ten. Everyone knew it was going to be bad for the Pac-12. But the amount of texts I got saying, man, Stanford's f-. like, And that was the term that just kept being used because, like, with all due respect, there's not really a better term to use. Like, even if they run the table, right, against USC, against UCLA, and they beat them not only in the regular season but when they play them again in the Pac-12 tournament, it's like, okay, if you beat Arizona, you beat Arizona State, you get to 20, 20, like, it, ah, USC. Well, the thing be is, USC, if they do all that. But USC, USC having the – like, we talked about there are a couple of inflection points. Quietly – Middle Tennessee State beating Iowa at the kickoff weekend, that actually really hurt the Big Ten. Just like it did because that was one of those few out-of-conference matches. Ohio State not getting the win over Virginia in the kickoff weekend, that hurt uh, the conference. Of course, Illinois made up for that by beating USC and Virginia. Of course, that USC win depreciated in value over the course of the weekend, but continues to help a little bit. Like, yeah, for the Pac-12 – like, I guess they need TCU to beat if, – if TCU runs the table, then I guess USC has that TCU win, and it's like, okay, we can bank on that. But it's like there are – you can literally point to the two or three wins per conference that are the point-getters, and that's a problem, right, Chris? It's absolutely a problem. And I'll tell you what, what that means that you'll be happy to hear. The Big Ten needs Michigan to win this weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean – You see that background? Yeah. Come on. Seriously <laughs> – Illinois is the team with the points and to help the conference when they're only playing intra-conference, right? But if the only team that's gotten the win over Illinois is Ohio state, if, you know, if Illinois, let's say were to run the rest of the year, basically you'd have Ohio state with their win over them. And then you have Illinois and, and that's it. And then Michigan got the win over Ohio state. Nobody else is going to beat Ohio state. And so you're stuck with those teams. I mean, they, they need some help uh, in, from, from these other teams. It's uh, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to watch. We've got other teams that are close. I mean, there are, you've got some other big 10 teams, right? Northwestern was in there. Um, you, you've got teams like Minnesota and Iowa that are outside the top 50, but, uh, but they, you know, they can, can contribute it uh, it really just depends on what happens it would be huge if one of those teams pulled a monster upset over one of those top teams mm-hmm. maddie final word on the team rankings before we move on i mean i just don't want like a stanford florida matchup right out of the box in the t- 
tournament. Like, I mean, as fun as that would be, right? Like, it would be absolutely insane. Round of 64? Round of 64, we've got Florida versus Stanford, right? I mean, how nuts would that be? Like, come on, as much as some people would want to see that, we also don't want to see that. And again, if you're Florida, like, come on, that's not fair. So at some point, like Chris mentioned, if Stanford is in the field, which I think we all expect them to be by the end of the season, the NCAA may have to take a look at that and just do a little bit of a manual adjustment just to make sure that nothing absolutely wild, you know, just completely outlandish is taking place because it's not good for Stanford and it's also not good for the other teams that they would have to play against. It's not good for anybody, really. So we just want to see the best possible tournament, you know, We'll monitor the rankings, obviously, every single week and see how it goes. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Four words, manual adjustments if necessary. Uh, but with that in mind, let's move on to the individuals quickly. And, again, we're going to keep today's podcast on or the relatively short side. We could play a game of too high, too low with Chris Matty and just screw with him because he hasn't looked at Ooh. these rankings yet, and we could just try and get him to guess where everyone's ranked. Yeah, uh, before <laughs> Matty came on, I, I had told Gruskin before you even came on, Matty, I have not even opened the individual rankings. So, oh. so you know nothing, right? Truly nothing. I know absolutely. I All know right. nothing except I will admit. I saw the tweet that they were out. So I know Sanklin and Reynolds are number one in doubles and Smith and Kukerman are two. That's it. That's the only, well, that, and I saw, I would, somebody else tweeted, or maybe you guys texted me something about Blumberg at 53. That's that was all me. I know. That was okay. me. That's, all right. that's literally all I know about any of the individuals at this point. No, perfect. So then I can scratch Will Blumberg from the high-low, and yeah, we can get that out of the way. I <laughs> yeah. was joking around with him this morning. I texted him. I was like, no, it makes sense that an eight-time All-American's not a top 50 player. I was like, that's usually how things work. That's That makes a lot of sense for you, Will. But yeah, don't worry. He'll be fine. I think we all know where he is. I don't think is. he cares. Yeah, but with that in mind, Westoff, let's— Throw in a high-low sound effect, if you'd like, just to give us some sort of game show theme here, some sort of music. Ready? Chris, I'm going to rapid-fire through some of these names. You just tell me straight up. Too high, or is this too high or too low? Andrew Fenty, number 92. Oh, too low. Andrew Fenty, number 99. He's in there twice. Oh, sorry, no. No, so too low is wrong. Sorry, you're wrong. 99, is that going to be too high or too low? That's too low, man. Andrew Fenty, number 116. Too high, too low. <laughs> He's all over the place. When I say too low, you're going the wrong way. I've already no. said, oh, you got to move up. No, I know. That means I'm telling you you're wrong. There's, when I keep going, I'm saying you haven't guessed it yet. Oh, if you oh start I, have to guess. Guess, I have to guess. Ah, Yeah. Ah. So you're saying too low, you're wrong. Yeah, every time. You're still wrong. So 116, is that too high or too low? Uh, I'll say it's too low. Oh, you're incorrect. Andrew Fenty, number 120. I'll just give it to you now. He's 124 in the rankings. For context, BD's number 93 right now. Um, All right, let's move on to the next one. Steinberg, (laughs) he's got got justification to stack now. Yeah, (laughs) let's move on to the next one. All right. (laughs) Robert Krill, who's a friend from Wisconsin. I'm really fond of Robert Krill as an individual. 112, too high, too low. Well, since we're playing the game now, that's obviously too low. You're correct. We're moving in the right direction. 88, too high, too low? Too low. 
you're incorrect. Uh, oh. 85. Uh, he's 86. I was close. He's he's number 86. So I don't think he's playing right now in the Wisconsin lineup again. Let's play a game. Oh, last one, I promise. Gianni Ross. Because, again, another friend of the program, so we can have some fun at his expense. I, I'm just going to tell you. I don't, I don't even care what you tell me. He shouldn't be in the rankings. Yeah, he's number 78 right now. It's delightful. I love oh. Barnaby Smith. He's injured for the year, 66. Like, it's just some of these things when you have Boyton at 90 and Keegan Smith at 48 and, like, Kukerman and Kovacevic outside of the top 25. Can't we at that point examine the formula and be like, hmm, something's a little off here. Now, again, it's the first one, grain of salt. Do these rankings actually matter? No, not until we get to postseason time. And at that point, hopefully things will work themselves out. But there's some funk, Maddie. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know where this stuff comes from. Like, Chris, you may have to educate me on the actual, like, singles and doubles rankings because none of this to me makes sense i just i i don't understand when i looked at this i mean there are some things that you can kind of understand but looking at it like as a whole chris what's henry squire what's henry squire chris henry squire did not play the fall so he's got to be like 110 he's number eight really maybe he did play the fall yeah, so, so the, three, yeah. yeah, the education part there, right? Is, I mean, it's the same formula that's used for the team rankings, right? I mean, it, it, in you know, the algorithm is the same. The difference is that for individuals, all of your fall play counts. Uh, so, so the guys that didn't play fall tournaments, you know, aka say a Will Blumberg or whoever are almost always penalized in the early rankings because they don't get matches in early. And then right. guys that guys that played the fall tournaments that are, you know, let's say that there may be bottom end of their lineup or, you know, or even challenging to get in the lineup, but played a couple tournaments and banged out a great win, which, you know, I, we let's, we could go look at Robert Krill's results. Like you said, Gruskin, he probably got a couple decent wins in fall tournaments. And all of a sudden that puts you up there, right? Because only again, you're counting only in the team. They counted five. I don't know what they counted in the individual. It's the same, your best five wins count. So if you got two really nice wins in the fall, okay, that's, that's 40% of your win, win count right there. Now all of your losses count again. So it, it's a double-edged sword. You can't have played a ton and lost to a lot of guys either. But but in theory, it's the same. You just have a lot more ver- you know, disparity because of what guys did in the fall. So Maddie. what if I told you, Chris, the number one player in the country is from Texas A&M? Who would it be? Chris? Well, so it's clearly, it's clearly going to be my guy, because otherwise you'd have a different tone if it was it's got to be hottie. That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. I have another good one. What's Andy Andrade's ranking, Chris? Andy Andrade. I'm trying to think what he three singles for Florida for you listeners who are less familiar with these players off the top of your head. Uh, I'll give you his record. He's going to fall year. as volley. Say he's seventy-two. You got one of the digits correct. He's Uh, currently ranked number seven. 
Wow. Uh, yeah. Volley's Volley, got to be top 10 then. Volley's number two. Andrade okay. number seven. And I believe Riffis number 15. Some other notable ones. You asked Riffis about is Miss- 15? Yeah. You asked about some of the other Mississippi. We were talking Mississippi beforehand. Finn Reynolds, number 12. He's their top ranked player. They're, can you guess who their second highest ranked player is? Second highest ranked player. Yeah, San Cullen's this lost a lot, so it's not him. San Cullen is their third highest ranked player. He is at number 65. Is it Simon Junk? Uh, I wish it was the best player in college tennis. Now, it's Nikola Slavic. Oh, Slavic. Slavic, yeah, yeah. Nine and five overall, number 36 in the country. I mean, yeah, the singles are it, – it's juicy. Like, at least it's fodder for us to talk about. Again, in the big picture, and for most of these players, it's irrelevant until we get to NCAs. And if people are left out of the NCAA field, then we probably have to reexamine this discussion. But, like, I mean, some of the doubles. I don't know what Fenty and Seymour have to do to become the number one team in the country. They're number 23 in the country. Like, Wow. They're just, just going backwards. Yeah, like, what I mean, did they do to move back? Right. Wow. How yeah. Ca- Who- how about Cash and McNally? Cash and McNally are back at. Uh, where are they? I think. Yeah, because they're pretty low as well. I think they're number forty-seven. Forty-seven. There's a <laughs> Michigan State duo of Nick Williams and Kazuki Matsuno, number thirty-eight. Like that's so, all right. Let's go. Here's my favorite one, Chris. Simon Sundergaard and Max Tiger. Or, well, or singles. Oh no, no, no! In doubles, so Simon oh. Sundergaard is ranked twice in the doubles oh. rankings. <laughs> once, yeah, once with Kiger and once with uh, who? Who knows? God, Neff or someone? Uh, who, Adam, Sarnoff. Adam Neff. Adam it is Neff. Neff. Okay, yeah. So Simon and Neff are ranked fifty-nine in doubles. That's just that's the. So, hang on, hang on! No, 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 no! That's Simon and Neff. Now Simon. In Kiger, right? Who that's the, yeah. the true team. They're the ones that play. They're ranked 75. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you bring up an interesting point, especially with the doubles, because single stands on its own. You mean you're, you're playing you're, you're playing by yourself. But in the doubles, what happens every year is you'll get, uh, you'll get teams, like a couple of years ago, this happened with Florida. You had Ingoldson and Verdusco, who played together all fall. As a, as a team, once they got to the dual match season, Verdusco never saw the court in doubles. But but they were ranked like top 10, okay? And it got to a point where, you know, at that point, the coaches have to go, man, these guys can make – I mean, it's a legitimate discussion at some point. They can make NCAAs if we make sure to get them enough matches because you have to meet a minimum match requirement too uh, it, for dual matches, right? So yeah. – do we take the win? Do we get to the point where, you know, they say they wanted to do that if if Sondergaard and Neff were ranked higher, right? North Carolina could go, hey, when we play Boston College, when we play some of these other teams that we fit, you know, this year of Florida State or whoever, you know, the win- teams that they're pretty much sure they're going to win. Do we uh, give these guys, these some of these doubles teams a couple matches because they could get into NCAAs now? I mean, right. those, I mean, those are legit discussions every year. If you're telling me Kiger and Sun 
card aren't going to make the tournament this year in doubles like I mean, because I don't know how many, look, they don't play one. We know they're not the number one team at North Carolina. So it's like, how many opportunities are they going to get to play high rank, you know, very highly ranked teams? You know, that was a top 10 team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now they're sitting at 75. Yeah, no. And I mean, we had our qualms about them being a top 10 team. I don't think they're a non-top 50 team. Like, certainly they're in the discussion at a minimum is a top 30 team probably in the country. And so— I think higher than that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting, like, Aguilar and Thompson, who are 8-6 and six overall, but by virtue of playing the number one position, Chris, they're number 11 right now in the country. Scully and Johns of Duke, they're number 12 in the country right now. And I have to say, actually, I've seen the team of Bratholm and Brooks for Northwestern. Them at number 13 feels appropriate, but like, yeah, it's part of it is just by virtue of playing the number one position by getting those ranked matches. It's more valuable in individuals as well uh, than any other season before, probably. Maddie, any final thoughts on these individual rankings? Hey, I'm just glad my guys Sven and Connie are ranked yeah. ahead of Fenty and Seymour. Right there. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is big time. I'm just saying. That's a- that's just – they actually saw it. It was originally switched. That was the one manual adjustment. They are like, let's let's do that just for the pod. <laughs> I love that. I saw that, and I was like, let's go. <laughs> that was big time, man. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's fun, right? I mean, we're, we're having a lot of fun just kind of looking at this and laughing. And, I mean, it's given us a good time. There's no doubt about it. And, of course, you know, throughout the coming weeks – this will change. I do want to say, though, the one team that I, I I wasn't really paying attention to who comes in at number four, the University of Minnesota team, they actually, they're 10-2. and two. That's their record, 10-2. and two. They've beaten Fenty and Seymour. They've beaten Cash and McNally. The one loss that I think they've actually had this dual season was to that Northwestern team that you just mentioned, Gruskin, of Nick Brooks and Simon Bradholm. So, you know, they're number four and i was like whoa 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 something that's not right but then i looked it up and i'm like you know what they've actually earned the wins they're legit so i'm okay with that i think the computer rankings are most accurate at the top and chris i want to give you the final word as well i would point out another fun thing just by virtue of the repetitions right they got to play cookerman and smith they got to play that national indoor weekend monsi and kenyatta six matches total three and three overall they're 49 in the country so yeah just by virtue of the position you play, that really does guide the rankings. Our rankings guru, the professor, Chris Halioris. It's an emergency pod. We'll try to keep it right around 30 minutes. Final word goes to you. I, I won't say it's so much on where we landed. I think the one thing I'll point out is that to keep in mind as we go through this season is that when we do get down to NCAA time and it gets down uh, to selections and seedings, much they do the same thing again in individuals, singles and doubles, just like they do for teams or have in the past for teams, who knows what this year will be like, is they will always take that head-to-head component into account too. So for example, if you end up with number eight and number nine back-to-back in the rankings and number nine beat number eight, they take they swap them because they're back-to-back and they earn the head-to-head victory. So things like, uh, you know, Things like that will happen as well if you get, like, especially in the cases where you get a slew of Big Ten doubles teams together. When you come out in the final rankings, it's, you know, those you want to have the head-to-head wins because it'll matter there. But, but yeah, it'll be interesting interesting to watch. This stuff will work itself out, I mean, especially as we get more, more dual matches in. 
Yeah, that's a theme, and there's a chance because of the ridicule that they tuned out 10 minutes in. But if the ITA team made it through this far of the podcast, let's be clear, we have fun at the expense of college tennis. That's what we do here on this show. We are obviously immensely appreciative and quite understanding of how difficult it is to do any sort of ranking uh, at any point, but particularly given the limited sample size, given the constraints of playing a season amidst the pandemic. And a shout-out needs to go to the coaching uh, council, whatever it's called, Chris, I probably committee. There it is, council. Not, it's not a council. It's a committee to the coaches' committee, to the ITA computers, to the staff, all of the people. You see that shout-out to the computer? Shout-out to you, computers. If you take over, remember, <laughs> I shouted you out on this podcast. Um, but, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just, you know, in general, um, a shout out to the entire team. This is what we love as college tennis fans. So, of course, we had to come together for an emergency podcast for the extended breakdown of the past week of college tennis. We went an hour and a half last night, so we've given you two hours now of college tennis content. Hopefully that will fill and scratch the itch until we record next week's episode. A couple of great matches on hand, so many, I should say, for us this weekend. So we're looking forward to that. If you've missed any of the content, you can catch up on it all on our website, Crack Rack. Com. Of course, shout out to the super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the fuck of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Turna. Go to uh, – if you want to get uh, – make your team, make your – club, whatever it may be, a part of the Turner family, be sure to contact them at sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. Ask them uh, or tell them Crack Racket sent you. You'll get a free sample, and they'll be sure to take well as you uh, care of you as well. So, again, sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks, Koya, Chris Hallioris, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Turner Grip, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Ruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. Hey. Great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.